Take your Bible to Psalm 55. It's a Psalm of David. Psalm of David. Not all the Psalms are written by David. About 72 of the 150 Psalms are written by David or credited to David. If he wrote more, we don't know he did. We know he wrote wrote 72 Psalms and the rest of them were written by various people, few other people that God gave credit to and uh, were, were part of the music program. They were words, Psalms are words to songs. They're not just poems, they're words to songs. They have lost the music. It was evidently God's will the music not survive. Uh, I don't know why, but it did not survive. But many of these were sung. And uh, I don't know what, but it was just God's will that that didn't survive. But the actual words themselves did survive uh, to us. Uh, I love the Psalms. The older I get, the more they mean to me. The more, 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 the deeper they become, the more powerful and re- relevant uh, to me. They become. Uh, are you there at Psalm 55 yet? Uh, I think I'll go there too. I think it's Psalms, Proverbs, right? Psalm 55. Um, many of you know, I just mentioned this morning, if you didn't know, but we've lost a few of our good core members uh, to heaven recently, and that's impacted me. I, uh, I noticed some stuff. I have had the privilege of witnessing the last breath of a few people that I've known for a long time. Dick Carr. I was there for his last breath. Uh, that's quite a privilege, by the way, because his mother was there for his first breath. And his, maybe, maybe his dad, though years ago men didn't go to births. Uh, they had midwives and women, but... Uh, uh, usually it was witnessed by the mother or the mother's mother, you know, the woman's mother. But I got to be there and witness the last breath, which I thought was a big privilege for me, on an 80-year-old man. Uh, he had, a, you know, he'd been breathing all that, all that time. So anyways, that may not mean anything to you, but did me. David said, my heart is sore pain within me and the terrors of death are falling upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me and horror hath overwhelmed me. A lot of times we as Christians are ashamed of what, you, what I just read. We don't want to admit it. We consider it somehow we're immature as a believer if we admit that we are afraid. Oh, you ought to try. There's always those people out there. By the way, well-meaning folks, but they'll say, oh, just trust God and quote the Bible and they'll come up with something, you know. You want to slug them. I mean, uh, I hope you learn how to comfort people. Uh, There's a great book put out by Harold Vaughn on how to comfort folks and uh, you need to read it because a lot of people are really pitiful comforters. They're just pitiful. They do more harm than good. It's best if you don't know what to say, say nothing. Say nothing. Silence is golden when it comes to grief. Uh, At a wedding, you can say all kinds of dumb stuff. 
But when somebody's in pain and grief, you gotta be careful. Uh, whatever you say, don't say, I know what you're going through. Please don't say that. Please don't say that. Unless you actually have gone through it. Uh, I made that mistake. And I took the rebuke uh, for it and tried to learn sometimes. I've learned the hard way. I like being prepared for what's coming in the future. Part of my nature is they call me a nickname, Mr. Safety. Mr. Safety. It's just part of my nature. I like to anticipate uh, possible things and, and, and get prepared for them. Uh, I put signs up there, slow children. I'm not talking about our children. I'm talking about be, go slow because we have children present. Uh, I have signs over here that we purchased about the state law of Florida going slow through the parking lot. Uh, I have stop signs I put over here because I saw some of our parents just whipping right through there, running those signs and going to kill somebody. Uh, and so I have uh, all kinds of little safety devices and put in, and I've thought about you know not having a non-skid floor, just on and on and on, uh, being prepared. I've had a constitution reviewed over and over again by David Gibbs in case someday we're sued, that we're prepared. We have our, our, our ducks in order, and we don't go to court and wonder wonder why we didn't do that ahead of time. So we're trying to, we're trying to be prepared for lawsuits. We have a liability umbrella. We have all kinds of, uh, we have uh, statements about our staff and how they act. And if they, don't, if they misbehave, how we act. And so we do all that as part of our safety. It's kind of a, we have rules and regs for our youth pastor. We have a single youth pastor. He can't be alone with a woman. He's got to be, he can't date any of the youth group. And just on and on, we, we aren't, we're trying to help him, hedge about him, so that there's a, no question about the morality of our people here, whether it be Chris, myself, or him, or anybody. We have all these rules and regs. It's part of who I am. It's, uh, it's just, it just comes natural to me. But I like, I believe we live in a hurricane area last time I checked. Um, it, according to the statistics, we get three direct hits where I'm standing. Three direct hits in 100 years. Now we're talking a pretty big hurricane, four or fives. The last five we had here was uh, in 1960. 1960 was our last real five hurricane, which hit directly Fort Myers Beach area. And instead of pushing water on the beach, it took all the water out of the river. It, the wind was going such a way, it just sucked all the water out of the river. It was quite an interesting sight by those who were here. And, uh, but there wasn't, you know, in, in 1960, you wouldn't believe how few people lived here. You wouldn't believe it. My, time, my first time here was 1965, Fort Myers Beach. No condos, not one condo on Fort Myers Beach. There were only 3,000 people inhabited the whole island. And there were just small houses. No multi-story. So when you have a hurricane, you didn't have a whole lot of catastrophic damage because there was no catastrophic. There's no nothing to damage much. And so since then, all of that stuff in Naples is built up. All that stuff in Estero is built up. In Bonita, all that stuff in Fort Myers Beach is built up. And since all those condos, we have not had a real serious hurricane. Irma and Wilma were not that serious. And so minimal damage was caused by both of those. And so, but I still believe in preparing. 
I believe you ought to stock food up, amen? You ought to have some food. Not a bad idea to have a couple years of dried food. Nobody want to eat it. I don't know if you've ever reconstituted that dry food, but you've got to be real close to starving to death before you eat that junk. But if you've been in the military, you already can do it. I know you can do it. You've already eaten that kind of stuff. Uh, we get batteries. I just bought about $45 worth of batteries yesterday uh, to, for my house. I, I have a, generator, a couple generators. Uh, why? AC. You don't need water. You don't need food. You must have AC. I can live without food, I can live without water for a while, but I do not want to sleep one night without air conditioning. So it's just like you guys don't laugh at me because you wouldn't think of, of living in, in, in Bismarck 40 below zero uh, in, in January without heat, would you? You'd say, well, we don't, maybe we don't need food, maybe we don't need water, but we got to have heat or we are going to die. 40 below zero. Well, that's the way I feel here. 95 degrees, 100% humidity. Who in the world's going to sleep? Nobody, nobody I know. So I figure AC, number one on my list. Then it goes down water, food, and have my Bible. But uh, I have, uh, I believe you ought to put hurricane shutters. How many here put hurricane shutters up? How many have hurricane windows? Raise your hand. Hurricane windows, hurricane shutters. Well, that means basically you've paid to prepare for a hurricane. I have hurricane shutters. The church has hurricane shutters. We're already, we've put them up four or five times at the church here. Um, I think that's good. Would you say amen to that? I mean, uh, it makes good sense, right? I, I don't think you and I can say if we're going to have a hurricane. I think you can say when we have a hurricane in South Florida. Don't move here and get big eyed when a hurricane comes. You are, if you study anything, you know we're going to have a hurricane. We're going to have it. Now, you may not have it in your lifetime. 1960 is a long time, right? It's 40. We're up to like uh, 60, uh, 46. Let me see. Let me, let me, let me, have, uh, let me have Brother Not do the math. Let Brother Not do the math. 40 and 60 is, or 40 and 20, yeah, 61. 61 years. No, no math. That's an inside joke, by the way. So, uh, I think we should prepare for a hurricane. Would you not call somebody unwise who did not prepare for a hurricane? You would say they were living on the edge. They were foolish if they did not do that. Well, I think the same is true in many, many areas of life. We prepare when we're young for our future occupation, amen? You that are electricians, carpenters, plumbers, businessmen, you prepared, went to school, learned how to do it. We prepare for marriage. Oh, Oh, you need to prepare for marriage. Trent, if you wanted some good books to read, I have a suggested list. Uh, you can live on love for a short period of time, but it won't last. You, you have to prepare for marriage. You have, to, you have to know about treating other people and living together in close proximity. It's a, quite a challenge, if I do say so myself. We prepare for emergencies of all kinds. We have... How many here have a spare tire on their vehicle? You know, I went to buy a new vehicle five years ago, six, uh, 2015. Ah, seven years ago. 2015, I bought a, a Jeep. And I went in there and the guy says, hey, you know, we live in an era where you don't need a spare tire anymore. You just got AAA. And I said, if you knew what I know about AAA, you'd get a spare tire. Spare tire 
no spare tire, are you out of your mind? He says, no, we're not putting spare tires in any of the new cars anymore. I said, you're putting one in mine. He says, well, that's going to be 371 bucks. You want to sell this car to me, it's going to be free. But I want a spare tire. I want a jack, spare tire. I don't want one of them donuts. I want a real tire that I can change out. I live 10 miles inland. You ain't going to be there to help me when my wife has a flat. All that other stuff we're gonna have. So I said, I got a tire. Makes sense. I carry bandages. I got bandages in my truck in case I get cut. I got bandages at home in case I get cut. I'm a bleeder. I'm taking Seralto, which is a blood thinner. So I bleed like a pig. So I got what they call, you know, like this doc, blood stop. They call it blood stop, military grade blood stop. I get a big cut because I work with chainsaws at my house and machetes. And if I whack myself, I got to throw that blood stop in there and have my wife press on the wound. Now, here's the glitch. If she's mad at me, she may go. <laughs> but uh, somebody got to press on the wound with that blood stop. And it'll stop the bleeding, even major bleeding within a few seconds. It's, at least it says that. I want to know what the guarantee is on that. But anyway, I, I, I think people make preparation for retirement, though I have not made much. Uh, so you ought to make some preparation for retirement. I think you have, most of you have life insurance. I do not. Uh, car insurance, I do have that. I think it's, it's crazy. Now, in fact, it's against the law not to have car insurance and house insurance, homeowners insurance. What I'm trying to get at is, look, you, say, you can't sit there and tell me you don't prepare. You prepare for things. You do. You may not prepare for the things I prepare for, but you prepare for stuff. You do. And the Bible is a book of instructions to prepare us for life. I think the Bible says, prepare to meet thy God in Amos chapter 4, verse 12. Are you prepared to meet God tonight? Well, you'd be crazy if you're not. I got on the back of my shirts, a lot of them. Are you prepared to meet God today? We're prepared to meet God today. You walk in a restaurant, they read your thing, they start backing away from you. I think this guy's a terrorist, what's he gonna do? But I believe people, ought to, you can't believe how many, probably a hundred people have come to me and asked me about that. What's he mean by being prepared to meet God? Oh, I'm so glad you asked me that question. I can tell you about how to be prepared to meet God. John 3, 16, on it goes. Uh, prepare for your future judgment. Bible says there's gonna be a judgment of the lost and the saved. The saved in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. How many? All. For everyone may receive the things done in his body according to what they've done, whether it be good or bad. Basically, you're going to get judged someday. I'd begin to prepare for that. Now, the lost people, that's in Revelation chapter 20, verse 12, 13. They go to that judgment unprepared and are cast into the lake of fire. What a sad day that'll be. We should prepare for our coming death. Now, I am an advocate of the rapture of the church. I believe the rapture is a viable, provable doctrine of scripture. I believe it has to happen for the devil to do what he wants to do. The Christians have to go as a majority. And so, but I may not be part of that group. I told you a story before, this old, old woman, I buried her children and, and grandchildren, great-grandchildren came to me and said, we got this question. Grandma, she said that God told her that she was going to get raptured and never die. 
I'm, I'm, at, I'm preaching her funeral. And they were, they were disillusioned. And I said, well, she got it wrong. I've heard people tell me, oh, I believe I'm going to get raptured. Well, believe it all you want, but when you die, you're going to die. Amen. God's going to do what he wants to do. Amen. But are you prepared to die tonight? I mean, you say, Brother Bill, I think I got a lot of years left. You're the ones that scare me the most. I got a lot of years left. We have a cardiologist here. He knows sudden death syndrome. I was just reading an article on sudden. I read such morbid stuff. I read about sudden death syndrome. There's 800,000 people around the United States may have a sudden death syndrome attack and they don't have any warning. Just you're walking along, gone. My, my father-in-law uh, said something and dropped dead immediately. He was gone, 48 years old. Uh, and there, you know, and so it's, it can happen. So we pre- prepare. Hebrews chapter nine, verse 27 says, it's appointed unto man, you got it memorized, don't you? It's appointed unto man wants to die. After that, the judgment. So you ought to be prepared to die and the ensuing judgment that comes after that. So I've spent pretty much my whole life since 18 years old getting right with God, preparing to meet God and preparing for that time when I'm going to depart. I, I want to get all my ducks in a row, do what I'm supposed to do. Say, 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 say you love everybody you think you love. Say you love them. If you even think so, don't wait because you don't know if you'll ever be able to again. Only a fool would not prepare for inevitable trouble. <clears throat> some try to ignore it. Some laugh at it. Some mock it. But I can guarantee you they're going to go through it. The day of your death is appointed. It is set. It is sealed. It's just like the day of your birth. I said this. 41 years ago, God allowed me to come to Gospel Baptist with Jim McCullum, Ernie Stewart, and a handful of other people and help start his church. There was a day of beginning. But just like I had a day of beginning at gospel, I must have an ending day. I'd be a fool not to think about that. There's got to be a last day that I get to preach. There's got to be a last day that I'm your senior pastor. There's got to be a last day. It has to come. I should not overly, uh, what am I going to say, overreact to it. Hey, come on. There's got to be a last day. Our brother uh, Crichton, pastor of 40-some-odd years, I may be wrong on that, but up at Greater Rhode Island Baptist Church. There was a last day he was a pastor up there. Well, I'm, I'll tell you, I'm not looking forward to that, but I know it has to happen. I want to be ready for it, amen? So uh, I have dealt through these years, God's given me the opportunity to deal with death. Uh, specifically in doing people's funerals uh, that I know, eat with, fished with, fellowshiped with, gone to church with, um, we went door to door with, uh, bus called with. I have buried my friends, <coughs> my relatives, my parents, my neighbors, and some work colleagues. Uh, it doesn't pay to hang around me. Most recently, I was uh, with Bob Rose and Marilyn when they brought him home in the hospital bed there. We stayed for quite a while. Uh, he wasn't doing too well. We had a little communication. He knew I was there. And uh, my wife and I thought it was time for us to go. We left. Got down the road about 20 minutes. Marilyn said, please come back. We went back, and he was already gone. 
I, did, I wasn't there for his actual passing, but I was there soon after the old brother passed uh, while he spent his last few days uh, on earth. Uh, someone in that process of him going home heard him say, I'm scared. Now you may not have picked that up and that may not have stuck with you, but that stuck with me. That stuck with me. Because I knew Bob Rose pretty well. I vacationed with Bob Rose three weeks at a time. Uh, I, I, I knew some of Bob Rose's history. He had told, because he couldn't hear well, I told him, you talk, we'll listen. People who can't hear well, let them talk because they can't hear what you're saying anyway. So I said, Bob, you talk, we'll listen. So he talked for hours to us about his oil experiences and his rig experiences. He was a tool pusher and rough neck and I went drilling oil so all, those, all those years up in North Dakota area and Texas and various places. Hard worker man, big man, big man, big old Texan. You know, the tall Texan, the old 240-pound, uh, um, tough, sinewy, Cowboy hat, cowboy boots, six foot two, a hard working, uh, rough living Texan. And he fit the bill. That's who he was when he was young from the people I've been able to ask him about. And that old boy said, I'm scared. I thought, brother, if he's scared, it's scary. It's scary. He knew suffering physically, on a higher level than I've known it. Uh, he was raised poor, dirt poor. Got saved later in life, lived for Jesus. He knew his book, read his book through every year. Had a good testimony for God here at the gospel. But death scared him. Why? Well, in my research, I discovered a seldom talked about subject uh, in the Bible that we're going to go over now. And it's about the terror of death. Psalm 55, 4 and 5. David said it. I've read that passage over and over and over and it never clicked till this few last few weeks ago. The terror of death. Often we Christians are taught that we're going to, somehow God's going to come and Shazam going to protect us at the moment of dying. He's going to somehow woo, keep us from what the rest of the world may go through. But I don't see that. I don't see it. I agree that death is not the same for everyone. I agree with that. But I don't see anybody mocking it when they get close to it. When they can smell its foul breath, when they can feel its cold, clammy hands on their shoulder. Uh, they're not mocking it. It tends to want to bring fear up. So what's the Bible say? Well, some references to death in the Bible, I think it help us understand death. And uh, the terrors, if I may say, or the horrors of death, those are strong words, aren't they? Yeah? Um, my heart is sore pained within me, the terrors of death. Are falling. Now we're talking about a soldier. We're talking about a guy who had been in battle 
And the Bible says Saul has slain his thousand, David slew his ten thousand. We're talking about David, who was a mighty warrior. We're talking about a 17, 18 year old kid who stood up against Goliath, which was a professional a warrior trained from a youth to kill people. And he stood up against Goliath with nothing but a little sling and a couple of rocks. We're talking about a boy who understood what it was to take on a bear head to head. Take on a lion head to head. Now I gotta say, of all the characters in the Bible, David wasn't afraid of cat. He, he didn't use words like terror unless he meant what he said and said what he meant. He says, fearfulness and trembling are come upon me and horror hath overwhelmed me. I should not be surprised that at the time of my death, I get these feelings. This is what I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to prepare you. That's what the Bible's trying to do. It wouldn't record this if it wasn't good for us to know about it. Why would we know about this if it wouldn't help you? But I think by knowing something helps you, amen? If I told you that a certain time of year that if you wade in our ocean, you may get stung by a stingray, that helps you. The stingray come and breed up close to shore and it wouldn't be smart to go running into the water. That, that information may keep you out of the water that period of time, but that's good for you. That's going to help you. And this, and this is not a subject of, uh, uh, of pie in the sky and the wonders of being saved, and they're, they're all true, but we still have some tough stuff to go through. Heather just had a baby. She did not have... Um, Nerve block, what do they call that? Epidural. She did not, God bless her soul. She did not have an epidural. She took her punishment for Eden. Women are supposed to suffer in childbirth. That's God's way. Now, if you avoid it, I'm not going to condemn you, okay? But for most of human history, there was no avoidance of the suffering that you go through having a baby. Now, I'm not going to minimize that suffering. The little bit of I saw, it was radical, crazy, insane. I mean, the woman woman beside us screamed for 24 hours having dry labor. I don't know what that is, but I I hope somebody gave her a drink. But, (laughs) I mean, my wife's there, and she's like, What's wrong with that girl? I asked a nurse, and that nurse said, oh, man, she's been doing that for 24 hours. I go, oh, no, what have I done to this perfectly good woman? I have destroyed her. But that's what God chooses us to go through, that, 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 that hardness of birth. Well, it makes sense. Death has some sorrow to it, too. There are sorrows in death. Uh, in Psalm 116, 3 and 4, you may or may not want to look. The sorrows of death compass me, and the pains of hell get hold upon me. I I found trouble and sorrow. Then call I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Now, I've had some heart trouble. I've had some uh, 
AFib, not your little baby sissy AFib. I have the kind of AFib, your whole chest rattles and you think you're trying to run a six-cylinder motor on four cylinders and it's like you're going to die. You feel like you're going to die. You know, your heartbeat goes up to 180, 170, 180 and uh, it's running all over the place and I thought maybe that's it. And I got to admit to you, it was uncomfortable. I wasn't a happy camper. I mean, I said, oh, Jesus, help me. I cried out to the Lord when I was in trouble. The Bible says you cry out to the Lord. I said, this will be a good time to cry out. Amen. I was in a head-on accident. I thought maybe I ripped my aorta. I hit so hard. It did break my sternum bone top to bottom. And I thought I was, I sat in a cornfield, thought this is it. I'm dying. I'm going to bleed out right here. And uh, I thought to myself, Lord Jesus, come help me. I mean, I'd, I'd be lying to you if I didn't say that some fearfulness came over me. But why? The uncertainty of it. I've never been through death before. I don't know what it's like. I believe I know what's on the other side of it. But I never went through that door. What he's talking about here is the door. The door of death that you go through. Few escape. Well, a few will escape without going through it. The Bible says the whole world's held captive by fear of death. Hebrews 2.15 says, Deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. The testimony of the pyramids in Peru and Egypt are people, uh, tell you how, how much is death on the mind of the average man. I believe it's on a constantly on the mind of them come and going as they go through the day. But the Bible says you can be prepared for it. In fact, the very theme of the whole Bible is how to prepare for death and how to escape the ultimate second death, which is the lake of fire. You don't have to go there. You can be saved spiritually and get a new body and live eternally with Christ by being born from above, by asking Jesus to save you. But the whole book is about what? Redemption and the Redeemer who came and who has come to redeem us. So I like where Jesus said, he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Now what's he talking about? Obviously he can't be talking about physical death. He went through physical death. All the disciples, apostles went through physical death. People that have followed him and since they're, them, they're to here have gone through physical death. He had to be talking about another kind of death. Talk about spiritual death, brother. The one that lasts forever. Physical death is, is, a, is a door into your spiritual realm. And, and someday, if you don't know Christ your Savior, you're going to have to die again. The Bible defines that as being cast into the lake of fire to suffer for your own sins when you don't have to. What a horrible waste to do that. I looked up some things in the Bible about death. I thought just the names of death were interesting and helpful. It's called the snares of death. In Proverbs 13, 14, the chambers of death in Proverbs 7, 27, the gates of death in Psalm 107, 18. It's called the ways of death in Proverbs 14, 12, the pains of death, Acts 2, 24, the sting of death in 1 Corinthians 15, 56, the sentence of death in 1 Corinthians 1, 9, the power of death in Hebrews 2.14. The sufferings of death in Hebrews 2.9. The fear of death in Hebrews 2.15. The keys of death in Revelation 1.8. The taste of death in Hebrews 2.9. And the day of death in Ecclesiastes 
8.8. I do not think we should be surprised that death is coming and that we are not exempt from sharing in the same experience those that have gone before us and maybe saying even what old brother Bobby Rose said, I'm scared. I'm not going to condemn you if I come visit you in the hospital and, and Brother Bailey's giving you the, he's, he's the second guy who agreed you ain't going to make it. Now, I'm not going to be upset with you if you say, Brother Bill, I'm scared. I say, man, it's scary. The Bible says it's so. Expect it to be hard. Expect to have sorrow through it. Uh, but, but let me, can I say this about it? It's toothless. It's a lion that's chained. A lion's big old boy. A lion, 400, 500 pounds. They got feet like this, claws. Imagine a lion chained just outside of the reach of you. He'd be loud. He'd be trying to get you. He'd be out doing that. He'd be trying to claw you, coming to the end of that chain, pressing on that chain. And you know, just the, the noise they make is almost deafening when they roar. That's death. It's roaring at you. It's, it, you, can, you can feel the wind of the claws going by you. But because of the redemption we have in Christ Jesus, it cannot touch you. There's nothing wrong with being scared. I don't want to be that close to the lion. I don't want to hear him roar at me like that. But he's toothless. He can't bite me. He can't get me. Glory to God. It's a specter. Death is a ghost. A passing experience of fear that passes away. And there is no permanence to it. Jesus said, he that liveth and believeth me shall never die. We're not going to have the second death. Yes, we're going to go through this physical death. Yes, it could be scary. <laughs> yes, you may cry out to God. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. Don't be ashamed of any of that. But soon, Brother Bobby bowed his head. He was sitting up in this bed. And this is what he did. He just bowed his head. When I came in the room, his head was bowed like that. I touched him. He was warm. Marilyn was there saying, oh, Bobby, Bobby. I said, Marilyn, he's not here anymore. He's gone. I thought, peace, like a river, attendeth his way. Nevermore have to experience death again. It's gone. It's over. That thing which has harassed us since we got old enough to know it existed is going to be finally gone. <sighs> Glory to God. The lost are going to be scared and should be. They're going to be terrorized and should be. The lost folks should be horrified because their death is forever. There's no end to their sufferings. I'll never forget being at this one accident, car accident. And the car was upside down. There was gas everywhere. And 
course, you know the batteries. I'm thinking the batteries sparking, and I can smell the gas. This person inside, help me, help me. Man, you ought to heard the earnestness of the cry. A couple of us jumped up on the car, lifted up the door, got in. There was a woman, pulled her out. Shut the door. I thought it was going to blow up with us. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm scared. I'm scared. Got her out of there. Car never did ignite. Never did ignite. But let me tell you what, she was sincere about her cry for help. Oh, dear one, don't go to hell. Oh, dear one, don't go through death and have to face a second death. There'll be nobody there to help you. Jesus himself will be your judge at the great white throne. And because you've rejected the salvation he bought for you, you will have to pay for your own sin and go into a place called the lake of fire, hell. And there, consciously for the rest of your existence, which will be forever and ever and ever, remind yourself that you could have been saved had you, heard, had you responded to the gospel that you have heard. And you have heard the gospel. God's preaching the gospel through the stars and the sun and the moon. and It's called the natural witness of God, that there is a God. And then the gospel is preached by gospel tracts and how many programs and people have touched the gospel and gone by. My, it fires me up to go out there and leave gospel tracts everywhere, to, to leave a witness for Christ everywhere so that people can miss this thing called the terrors of death, ultimately. But for the Christian, it's just a temporary time. I remember, and I'll finish with this. I used to be naughty. I, don't, I, don't, I know you have a hard time believing that, but I used to be a pretty, pretty wild kid. I, was a, I wasn't real obedient a lot of times. And my dad would, spank, would whip me. He wouldn't spank me. It wasn't patty cake, patty cake, baker's man. He'd take his belt off, double that baby over, and he was a boxer. He was a, he was a speed, speed bag, jump rope. He was in shape. And trust me, when I tell you this, he could make that thing go across you and leave a well. Every time it hits you, leave a well. And he'd, he'd give you four or five of them. And man, you're, you were lit up like fire. And I never thought that thing would be over. Pretty soon it was over. Well, that wasn't that bad. <laughs> but going into it, man, I was scared. Oh, it wasn't that bad. Here I got wells on my butt, but they heal. And I think, you know, that's the way death's going to be. Death's going to whip you a little bit. It's going to whip you a little bit. It's going to scare you a little bit. It's going to be a little tough. There'll be some pain. But you know what? As a born-again Christian, it's going to be over pretty soon. And guess what? When it's over, it's over. It's like getting a tooth pulled. Once he pulls the tooth, it's out. It's out. It's over. Be encouraged. Big, strong, tough Bob Rose. Big, strong, tough David experienced the terrors of death, but they got through it, and you'll get through it by the grace of God. We should comfort people that are going into that time. We should encourage them and comfort them, help them. May God give us some wisdom about this. This is a strange message, no doubt about it. The man help you. Father, help us tonight. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, 
gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.